reading from the beginning of the first letter of St. John. Beloved, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we looked upon, and touched with our hands, concerns the word of life. For the life was made visible. We have seen it and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was made visible to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim now to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. For our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing this so that our joy may be complete. Verbum Domini. Rejoice in the Lord. 
Dominus Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Ioannem. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, they have taken the Lord from the tomb and we do not know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths there but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloth there and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed. Ebum Domini, Today, the church celebrates the feast of St. John the Evangelist, the apostle and beloved disciple. And St. John is credited with composing nearly one-fifth of the total books in the, Old, in the New Testament, including the Gospel of John, three epistles, and the book of Revelation. And his feast day is appropriately observed during the Christmas octave, especially since he writes beautifully about the incarnation of the Word of God in his Gospel. John's role as an eyewitness and disciple of our Lord informs his personal testimony and his teaching, which are crucial to the doctrine of the faith and to later developments in Christology, the study of the person of Jesus Christ. And St. John provided the early church with the language needed to develop the doctrine of the incarnation, how the eternal word of God proceeds forth from God the Father and takes flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary and becomes man. The early church found guidance in the writings of John to develop sufficient terminology to express the reality of this profound mystery, which really cannot be encompassed by human words alone. And while the debates over doctrine were largely guided by the magisterium, the pope and the bishops united to him, it sometimes happens that certain members of the church stubbornly cling to their own ideas even after being uh, corrected, you know, receiving fraternal correction, to the detriment of the preservation of unity. And this sometimes leads to the development of heresies and divisions in the church. And one of the most well-known heresies in the early church is Arianism, 
which denies the divinity of Christ and insists that the Son of God had simply been a part of creation and had not been divine. And one of the matters that the church tried to address was how to reconcile the notion that Jesus is both God and man, divine and human. And this is indeed a difficult concept for our minds to grasp. And the heresiarch named Arius rejected the idea that a human being could also be divine, and so he concluded that Jesus was not divine, that he was entirely unlike God the Father. And there were some Arians who were not ready to fully reject Christ's divinity, and so they considered Jesus to be semi-divine instead of fully divine. And as we profess the in the creed each Sunday, we say that Jesus is consubstantial, that is, of the same substance with the Father. However, the semi-Arians believed that Christ was not of the same substance as, as the Father, but that he was only of a similar substance. In essence, semi-Arianism is still effectively a denial of Christ's full divinity. And another heresy in the early church that tried to address the divine human problem is called docetism. And adherence to this heresy found it difficult to fathom how God, in the person of Jesus Christ, could suffer and die like any other human being. And yet the writings of the evangelists clearly include eyewitness testimony from the apostles, such as St. John, who saw Jesus in the flesh with their own eyes, and they touched him with their hands. But since the Docetists could not simply set aside this testimony, they adopted the opinion that while Christ is indeed divine, he was human in appearance only. They confessed the Son of God to be a pure spirit who only had the physical appearance of a man, but never actually became man. And thus, while Arianism rejected Christ's divinity and only accepted his humanity, Docetism accepted Christ's divinity but rejected his humanity. And Arianism and Docetism are only two of the many heresies that developed in the early church. So that the church might remain unified during this turbulent time, the guidance of the magisterium was necessary to discern a proper understanding of doctrine in the context of sacred tradition, sacred scripture, and the contribution of the census fidei of the church. The church came to realize early on that there are sometimes two different truths of faith that seem to contradict each other. And yet they must be held together in tension because they are both true. The humanity and divinity of Christ is one example of such a situation. We can also think of the Blessed Trinity, you know, three persons, one God. Three divine persons, one God. So the problem <clears throat> with heresy is that it tries to alleviate the tension by just removing one of these truths. And while the tension might be removed by eliminating a truth, it, never it nevertheless removes an essential truth. And hence, whenever the church faces times of doctrinal difficulty or confusion, the members of the church need to look to the magisterium for guidance. 
and those who refuse to heed the voice of Christ, as it is perceived through Peter, the apostles, and their successors, the pope and the bishops united to him, find themselves falling into heresy or schism and end up losing the true faith that had been given to us by Christ. And thus the church has recourse to the writings of St. John, who wrote the eternal word becoming wrote of the eternal word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. The word exists with God in the beginning before the world was created, and it is this same word that takes flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary. The church, under the guidance of the magisterium, understands John's words in the gospel as describing both the divinity and the humanity of Christ. The divine Logos, who existed in the beginning with God the Father, became man. It is affirmed at the Council of Nicaea that the Son of God is both true God and true man, consubstantial of the same substance with the Father. And through the witness of sacred scripture and the authentic interpretation given by the magisterium, the doctrine of Christ's divinity and humanity is upheld and the faith of the church is confirmed. And so we honor St. John the Evangelist in a special way today and ask his intercession for the church, that we may have the wisdom to avoid the sin, of, the sin and scandal of heresy and schism and continue to discern the action of the Holy Spirit in union with our Holy Father and the bishops united to him so that we might preserve the unity of the church. <laughs>